This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles, if you're into nerd culture, if you're into comic books, if you're into science sports memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20. Everything you see there is in Canadian funds, so to all you American listeners, obviously it's a little bit cheaper once you do the conversion, but don't worry worldwide, they ship internationally, so it's available to everyone on planet Earth. And like I said, use promo code THEPODCAST20, you'll get 20% off. Please visit them every day because they do update daily. Like I said, they got everything from science sports memorabilia, wrestling figures, comic books, anything a nerd or a sports collector wants, it is there. And if you're into video games and books, please visit BossFightBooks.com today for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like NBA Jam, Resident Evil, and Final Fantasy VI, oddly enough, which is the most recent release by Boss Fight Books. So please visit BossFightBooks.com today. Everything you see on their website, they have available in paperback and ebook format, so there's no excuse to not support them. So please visit, once again, BossFightBooks.com. And if you want to support me, Directly, please visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device that you're listening to on. It's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to mugs to travel mugs. Literally anything you need or want, it is there. But if you don't want to support anything monetarily, totally understandable. The easiest thing, the most free thing, the thing that takes you two seconds that everyone should be doing, which I don't understand why not everyone who listens to at least one episode does this, is rate, subscribe, review, most importantly, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest is a writer and the author of the aforementioned Final Fantasy VI from Boss Fight Books, Sebastian Deacon. Hello. Pleasure to be here. How's it going today, my friend? How are you? Uh, going well. Uh, on a little staycation from work. There you um, go. Feeling good. Uh, nice and relaxed. Getting the shoulders loose. Um <laughs> So, yeah. That's pretty cool. Okay, we're going to get right into it because I don't know if everyone knows who listens, but if you follow my Instagram account, I've posted it before in the past. Final Fantasy, I call it three because that's when I played it, but we'll call it six because that's the name of your book. So, we'll keep it at that. So, this is one of my top five video games of all time. It's interchangeable. Some weeks, I feel like it's my favorite. Other weeks, number three, whatever. As a video game player, that's pretty much how it goes. But, so, I want to talk about everything related to your book, to the game, to the music, everything there. But before we even get there, what made you want to write a book about Final Fantasy VI? And most importantly, why about the music? Why not about the characters? Why not about the story? What was going through your mind? Yeah, so, um, uh, first of all, I forgot to ask you how you are. How are you doing? (laughs) Again, no one cares. No one listens to the show for me. It's for the guests. But I'm fine. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Um, So to answer your question, uh, why Final Fantasy VI, why the music? Um, 
So obviously, Final Fantasy VI, one of my favorite games as well. Uh, played it shortly after it came out when I was a, when I was a kid, um, and uh, you know, obviously fell in love with it for all the reasons that people fall in love with that game. Yep. Um, and you know, I'd been a Final Fantasy Final Fantasy II fan as well, so this okay. was sort of a natural um, natural thing for me. Uh, I pitched the book. Um, because a friend tipped me off that Boss Fight was accepting pitches for okay. Final Fantasy VI. Uh, Final Fantasy VI specifically, this oh, was a game that the, okay. the Kickstarter backers chose um, right. for. The, I think the like Kickstarter before um, uh, before I pitched, and uh, yeah, so it I just happened to have like just gotten out of grad school for um, uh, for writing. Okay. Um, and uh, I, my last semester in grad school, I did this um, research seminar, and I, you know, it was I, I did it. I did the program while I was working full time. It was like crazy. It was long. And during my last semester, I was like, I want to do something stupid for okay. this research seminar. Uh, <laughs> and by stupid, I mean like just fun, like nothing sure. serious. I didn't yeah, want yeah. to do like you know like war crimes in Kosovo or anything. <laughs> Um, right. so, <laughs> so I decided I was going to do video game uh, music because okay. um, uh, I am a musician. I in my twenties I um, pursued a career as an opera singer. Oh wow! Um, yeah, uh, I did not. Um, uh, it wasn't particularly uh, an illustrious career. Okay. I, I like people, <laughs> um, but uh, I can go into that a little bit more later. But. Um, yeah, I studied music in college. Um, I love this game. I did this um, this research, and you know, this pitch came up. So it was all kind of organic. Um, and I had, you know, like everyone's goal after they get out of grad school for writing is like get a book deal, get a book deal. Um, and you know, this came along. I pitched it. I did not expect to hear back from them because um, the, the the pitch that I like the the. Um, the writing sample that I gave them was like literally the paper I wrote for that research seminar. Oh, wow. not, not specifically about Final Fantasy VI. It was okay. about um, the the Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest series and how they like uh, the live performances of that music um, specifically and, and how it sort of like uh, opened the door for other live video yeah. game music performances and like how it made the transition from being just a video game into like music that people liked. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it all kind of um, happened. It happened so fast. It was, uh, it was unreal. I didn't, I didn't expect to, like I said, get a call back from them. And Gabe um, Durham, the editor mm-hmm. called me one day and he was like, talk to me about this. And I was like, <laughs> okay, give that a shot. Uh, so, you know, called me out of the blue. I, I don't think he emailed me first even. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I don't think so. I'll have to go back and look, but I remember it being quite a surprise. Um, so yeah, and then everything everything sort of went from there. Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay, before we move on, back to the opera singer. What made you want to be an opera singer? Where does where does this come from? Ah, uh, so now we have the snake eating its own tail. Oh, uh, the first my first exposure to opera, sort of outside cartoons and stuff, was. Final Fantasy VI. Oh, okay. uh, this little opera scene in the game um, yep. was really uh, wonderful to me. It was one of the things that really stuck with me from um, from the game. I sort of took it with me, and you know, like as I was going into into high school, I, I didn't like think about opera as a career or anything, um, and I didn't even like particularly like opera singing. Like I didn't really like to listen to it. I liked classical music always, oh, okay. but. Um, never particularly cared for opera. And then I remember I was taking um, AP music theory, my, my senior year of, of high school. And uh, after the AP test, um, you know, it was sort of like, you were just sort of like doing whatever in class from then on. Yeah, exactly. Um, and my, um, my teacher put on this uh, um, DVD of um, Ingmar Bergman, uh, Magic Flute. Um, okay. He recorded a uh, live performance of the Magic Flute kind of live. It was sort of like there's a little bit of live stage craft happening, but also sort of like film stuff happening. Okay. It's like apparently like pretty um, pretty well received film. It's like in the Criterion Collection. 
Um, so uh, she's playing this uh, opera for us, and there's this really spectacular aria sung by the Queen of the Night. She goes up to like a high F or something, and that was like hearing that was like just the right. virtuosity of it and like just like re like learning the capabilities of the human voice was nuts mm-hmm. to me right right um and there's also this really lovely um quintet at the end of the first act i want to say oh my god uh, i'm gonna get my opera card taken away i think it's at the, fir- <laughs> the end of the first act uh, right. um and it's just it's it's gorgeous it's one okay. of my favorite um favorite moments in opera this this quintet and uh, when I heard that for the first time, I heard all these these five voices working together to create like this one sort of beautiful sound that like oh, wow. uh, really sort of spoke something to the drama that was happening on stage. And it was just like from then on, I was like, mm-hmm. I'm doing this. So, right. I, you know, I talked to my teacher. I, I actually went to her alma mater where she studied music. Oh, okay. um, and uh, um, yeah, I, uh, you know, it, everything sort of happened from there i studied for uh, five or six years um including time after college and i sang in like a few um opera courses like with professional companies and i did um did a little bit of concert singing and i sang with the st louis symphony chorus that was a a gig that i had every singer every classical singer also has like a church gig happening like constantly so every week i'm singing in a church um, for like seven i think it's like seven ten years something like that total nice um yeah uh but um that's kind of that's kind of the scoop on on the opera singing uh i Gave it up in 2014 um, when I was in grad school. I I needed to start really focusing on my my thesis um, for school, and I also just had like this debilitating stage fright. So I've been oh. performing performing less and less after okay. I moved to New York in, right, in 2009, right. and uh, I eventually just like you know I had to do this like emotional calculus, like what sure. was I like what was I putting into this in terms mm. of my mental health versus like what was I like what reward was I reaping from it? And mm-hmm. eventually it just like one outweighed the other. And it was like, okay, it's time for me to step back. So oh. I have not performed publicly since 2014. Oh shit. Wow. Look at yeah. that. Okay. Well, how about music? What, what was your love for music? How did you get into music and become musician and study it? Oh, wow. Um, that's, that's a really good question. I, um, uh, my older brother, uh, stuffed me into a, a piano. What the? Um, okay. He, literally, we had this upright grand piano, like this janky old upright grand piano in our basement. Okay, okay. Um, and my brother, like, got mad at me one day. He was, like, taking piano lessons. I was bothering him. Okay. And he stuffed me into the piano. <laughs> oh um, and so, like, and started playing. Oh, way. no, like, that's hitting, horrible. Hitting in the head with the hammers. Oh, and my mom, no. like, heard me, like, screaming while he was doing <laughs> Wow. She came down and, like, picked me up out of the piano it was like this i like to think of it as like a birth like a um birth of venus moment or right. something. Um, <laughs> My goodness. so i like to tell people that's when i really became interested in music almost okay. out of revenge um, <laughs> <laughs> because of what my brother did to me wow. but um i always just had this this ear for it and okay. um you know i mentioned we have this brand this stupid grand piano we never had it tuned mm-hmm. um it was like obviously like we hammers were broken after my mom pulled me out of it and we never got it repaired but um when i was a kid i my mom noticed me like picking out the tune from sesame street like oh piano like when i was really little okay okay um, nice and so it kind of just like it was just always kind of in my brain um and uh i you know started singing in choirs when i was in third grade and never stopped until 2014 so yeah that's crazy so now you studied the the theory also in school and obviously studying the theory everyone else who has studied theory you go back and you check out classical composers and you study them and whatever and whatnot throughout your years who has become one of your favorites because mine personally because we talked a bit off air i used to be into music and i took it in school as well mine was tchaikovsky i don't know what it was about it. i don't know if it was because it was so soothing if it was christmasy i don't know what it was for me but something about that that i just loved what are some of your favorites yeah um tchaikovsky's great uh 
I one of my one of my big faves is Mozart. Um, like I mentioned, we watched Magic Flute um, when I was in high school, and um, I like I tend to like um, like early music. So I really like okay. Mozart, Handel, and like earlier composers. Like one of my favorites is um, Jacques Arcadel, mm-hmm. um, French composer from the. 16th, 17th century, 8th, 17th, 16th century, somewhere in there. Uh, he's dead. Um, that's a that's a big, important thing to note about him. Um, dead for hundreds of years. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, so I really like, I definitely like singing Mozart. Um, I love to sing, um, weirdly enough, I love to sing Mendelssohn. Like, he doesn't have a lot of... Um, like vocal repertoire, but like what's sure. there, I really like to sing. And um, I love um, like turn of the century, um, turn of the 20th century uh, French art songs, oh, um, okay. like late 19th, early 20th century. Um, uh, love to sing some Debussy. I mm. love Foray. Um, I love to sing Foray. I love the Foray Requiem. That's one of my favorite pieces. So yeah, that's a quick rundown. In terms of living composers, John Adams is my fave. Okay. Uh, he wrote an opera about Richard Nixon. Oh, wow. uh, definitely, definitely worth checking it out. If you haven't, you have, no, probably no one who's listening to this <laughs> has seen it. But if you if you would go on YouTube and just um, look up Madame Mao's aria, I Am the Wife of Mao Zedong, it is insane. It's like giving a color to a soprano a machine gun. It's <laughs> nuts. It's nuts. Um I, I love it. Everyone everyone who's listening to this should like pause, go look it up, and watch it um, so you understand me as a person for the rest of this episode. There you go. Yeah, I don't think I have a lot of people who listen to classical music. And actually, if, if people are tuning in to l- listen to us talk about Final Fantasy, they're probably getting upset. Like, what the fuck? What's going on here? Give us some Final Fantasy. Okay, so let's get to the book. Let's get to the game. Because everything's intermingled. People are going to understand why. Because the book is based literally around the music. Obviously, you sprinkle in story. You talk about the characters and all that. But it's even to the point where you included staffs. You included clefs. You, everything. Like and that's like music sheets, pretty much, in, in the book, right? What was going through your mind? How important was this to include in the book? And were you scared this was going to throw off like non-music lovers? I was definitely scared. Um, and uh, I... Um I included them in part. Um, this is a this is a book that's sort of aimed at like a really mixed audience, right? Like okay. I, I wanted it to be um, accessible and enjoyable for people who are not musicians. I wanted musicians to really get something out of it. Um, I wanted people who study music, like video game music, um, in Ludo Musicology is, is what the academic field is called. I wanted them to get something out of it. Like sure. I'm obviously like not a ludomusicologist, like, you know, like don't have a PhD. Um, but I was, you know, like hoping to contribute something to that, to the extent that I uh, am capable. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously like a really diverse audience and including those figures was, um, was a choice. And I, I kind of went back and forth on it. Uh, but I decided to go ahead and do it because I thought, musicians would get something out of it looking at it um and i thought maybe non-musicians would still be able to see sort of like the shapes of the melodies um just sort of like looking at it maybe maybe would inspire them to like um go listen go listen to the music a little bit more um so that they fully understood like what was what was happening Mm -hmm. um i also um there's this book in the third i don't know how many folks are like big fans of you know, like pop music or whatever, but mm-hmm. there's a, there's this book series called 33 and a third. Okay. Um, and it is sort of, it's really like very much a lot like boss fight, but instead of going into um, a video game for each book, like a deep dive on a video game, mm-hmm. it, a deep dive on a particular album. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. It's a great series. There's a really great one by Celine or about Celine Dion. Uh, oh, there you go. Um, Good old Canadian. Yeah, uh, about Celine Dion. It's about why people hate Celine Dion so much, which is one of the reasons it's. Oh it's wow! Great. Okay. Uh, okay. So, um, but there's this there's this book in that series about Super Mario Brothers, about the original Super Mario Brothers, and I read that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of the reason, like, I thought this book would be possible. But ah, um, okay. I read that book like 
I don't know, probably when I was in grad school sometime, I, I came across it because <laughs> I read the Celine Dion book when I took a course on um, arts criticism. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I, I read this book about Super Mario Brothers, and it was really like there's so little music in that game. Um, That's true. So the guy who, who wrote it, his name is Andrew Sharpman. He's he is a ludomusicologist, um, I think. Uh, he uh, really pulled that music apart and stretched it into an entire book, and it's probably like four minutes of music total in that game. Wow, like crazy. it's just so much of it is repeated, right? right? Um, and one of the ways he did it was he really sort of went hard into the theory and looking at the, the sheet music. And so while gotcha. he was writing, he included these figures and like I seeing those was like, oh, okay, I, this, this adds to my understanding of the right. text. So um, I kind of modeled this after that a little bit. It's mm -hmm. not as hard into the theory. It really isn't. Um, no, not be, at all. Should hopefully be accessible to just, you know, anyone who likes the game but, no um, it's true because e even off the bat like you do a quick history of music and how it shows to be the way it is today and like that was perfect a nice quick lesson to start off the book and then you dive right into it even explaining like how arcade sounds is actually music like you know you know yeah. what i mean so if someone doesn't know about music which is very odd nowadays like if you don't know anything about music like i'm sorry if I think everyone on planet Earth has listened to some sort of music somewhere. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's easy to gravitate towards, right? But the one thing you touch on a lot, obviously, is the composer. Because you have... Okay, please, tell me how... You, okay, I'm going to tell you how I pronounce it in my head while reading this. Because I've never heard anyone say his name. So you tell me if I'm close. I would okay. say Nobu Yumatsu. Uh, close. Oh. I also uh, am not a Japanese expert. So okay. I probably also butcher the pronunciation <laughs> but i say uh nobuo umatsu okay uh, uh and i don't the first name is really what gives me right the, the problem it's like nobuo. Nobuo or, or nobu or something like that right i really had uh one of my editors mike speaks japanese he's gonna strangle me um for <laughs> not knowing that uh um but yeah that's that's how i say it it's definitely umatsu so if you are listening to this i'm just going to refer to them for, as umatsu for the rest of the, the, the podcast no perfect yeah do that please because like okay so i'm going to bring up some things that like obviously you would never think from this guy so uh, he loves the beatles led zeppelin bruises own ale has seen ghosts and has written 50 tracks for softcore porn yeah yeah that was a real <laughs> That was a real interest. That was a that was a revelation to me. I did not know that about That's him. That's crazy. I learned a lot. Yeah, I, you know, I I learned a lot about him. Like even before the book, I like you know followed his career a little bit and like right. um, read up about him. But I had no idea that 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 he did that. Um, and uh, I asked. I tried to. I had one email exchange with him, um, which is sprinkled throughout the book. But, yes. Um, I, I asked him about it. I was like, oh. what what was the deal with that? Uh, and mm -hmm. he was like, there's nothing that I wrote that I'm particularly proud of. He was like, that okay. was my that was my job. It wasn't like a passion, right? Right. Um, and God, my editor, Mike, and I, Mike, who, who speaks Japanese, we tried okay. finding those. Okay, because um, I was going to ask that if you were curious now, right? <laughs> oh, my God. We tried so hard to find them, and we couldn't. Oh, uh, no. I'm I'm never giving up. <laughs> never, I am never giving up. Somewhere out there, there's someone who collects vintage Japanese porn. Uh, hit me up. Hit me up if you're listening to this. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, did you have time to pick his brain on any other thing? Because I didn't know you had a short communication just through, via email. I know it was email, but I figured these guys communicated back and forth. But was there anything that was left out, or were you rushed, or how that all go about? I try to include most of what he, most of our exchange in the in the book. I try to include as much of it as possible, okay. um, and really, really milk it. I was really careful about the questions that I asked him, sure, uh, because I wanted to get you know like maximize uh, the the amount of info he was giving me. So, um, yeah, I asked him sort of about uh, about his approach to um, writing music for this game, um, sort of like. Uh, how he made certain decisions. Um, okay. How uh, um, uh, sort of like what 
talking, I asked him to talk a little bit about the technology that he used. Um, and, uh, God, what else did I ask? I can't even remember what I asked him, but it's all, I tried to put it all into the book. So, right, right. Um, so if you read the book, it, it should, it should all Perfect. be Perfect. Perfect. And the one thing that just blew my mind is how he had no formal training whatsoever in composing anything. This guy was literally self-taught from the ground up. Yep. He taught himself how to play guitar and piano. That's uh, nuts. He decided he was gonna he was gonna go into music. He he never really thought that video game music was gonna be his thing. Um, he really wanted to do um, uh, film scores, um, and so but he just sort of like fell into it. One of his friends was working at Square in the eighties. Um, That's and right. Was, I, I think it was a woman. She asked him to uh, come in and just like work on the music for this um, this one game called cruise chaser blasty um, oh, wow. i think <laughs> okay uh, and it's like not a game that ever anyone has really heard of but um he sort of went in and did it and then you know he ended up getting a full-time gig and the, and the rest is history i know that's great and even to with the constraints back then like people don't understand how hard it was to put all this music into a cartridge like you said the first mary brothers had what was it, four minutes of music this one has over three hours of music in a cartridge with its confinement. And I don't know, there's just something about the 8-bit, 16-bit music that the tunes stay in your head. Now, you you ask me what, like, mind you, maybe God of War I still remember, but something like Gears of War. I don't remember the, any songs from Gears of War. Like, you don't know, like, this generation's music. Like, it, it doesn't stay in your head, right? Yeah, I think one of the reasons that um, this music is so memorable, and it's not, I mean... Obviously, I think Umatsu is, is particularly gifted, but there's a lot of music that um, for NES and, and, and Super Super Nintendo games that really is kind of an earworm. And I think one of the reasons is because of those technological constraints. They really had to um, they really had to pack as much pal into the technology as they could. Right. Were the best way to to make an impression on the listener is to make um, make music memorable, make it mostly singable i think right, right. um for the most part uh um and so yeah i think i think the idea was to to write some um some really um some music that sort of really got to the point right there was no room for ambience really um sort of like you see that in final fantasy 7 um and, you know like as uh as a sort of contrast to Final Fantasy VI, right. Final Fantasy VII is a little jazzier. It's a little, um, it does have like a little more of an ambient feel to it. Obviously, True. there are still some memorable, really memorable um, um, tunes in it, but um, but yeah, it sort of starts getting a little hazy after that. And I think the the bigger and longer games have gotten, and the more um, uh, more technology um, has been accessible to folks, I think. Um, that's you know, true. I think I don't want to say watered down. That's not the right word because it's still really good music. Um, it's true. Uh, it's just, it's like you said, it's more accessible. It's easier, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just different now. It's just a different yeah. style of writing now. It's more. That's all I would it is. say more filmic. It's it's a lot more like cinema now than it used to be. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good comparison for sure. So. Okay, let's talk about the game intertwined with the book, obviously, still. So you put it, the plot of Final Fantasy VI is a tangled up slinky. Now, as a kid, okay, when did I play this? I played this for the first time in 97, I believe. So I was 16, 17. And in my head as a kid, this was friggin' amazing. This was the best thing. And at that time, my favorite plot, favorite story was something like The Goonies. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. I love that shit to death. That's the only thing I could compare it to, not in terms of story, but in terms of me liking something story-driven. And this yeah. game was just perfect. And I don't know, you were describing the plot, all the memories are starting to flood back and everything. And I have to admit, I didn't have a chance to experience this with anyone else because I was living in Portugal at the time. I just ended up moving and I was doing it all on my own. And the fucking story, man, imagine this game, even as a Netflix series or like this, how good the story is. Like, yeah. and again, on a fucking 16 bit cartridge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, it is. It's really, it, it sticks with you and it doesn't make sense that it sticks with you because it's such, it's such a fucking disaster. <laughs> I mean, like, at 
like it really is like when you when you sort of really start to pick it apart it doesn't like it breaks all these rules of storytelling of course all of this really good information is included in flashbacks and not like in the game and so you're like learning about these characters sort of like not through not necessarily through like what they're doing but like what they did before the game started which is it's crazy so like and you know like there's obviously there's not one main character like you could make a case for tara or celeste or locker or or whoever being a main character but really it's all of the characters are main characters so it's got this huge ensemble cast and it's telling all their stories and flashbacks and you're like eventually like as you're really really looking at it you're like what the fuck like how did i how did i like how did i bite like what and i think when you're a kid actually it makes a lot more sense right because when you're a kid you just kind of accept everything right like it's true as is like you like that's the thing people don't realize when when you're say for example because i'm a huge wrestling fan and have people listen from that love wrestling they always say suspend your disbelief so then you could enjoy it. Just like when you go to the movies. As kids, their whole life is suspended disbelief. Like, you know, because they want to believe in that shit. Why do you think kids are scared of everything? Because they think there's a boogeyman. They think there's ghosts in the dark. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, there's definitely a, a suspension of disbelief in terms in terms of, like, the story. But there's also, like, this kind of this suspension of understanding. You just, like, agree to understand. And that, too. Like, yeah, like, whatever story, like, does it, like, your parents can make up a fairy tale, right, sure. when you're really young, they can, like, as they can just, like, improvise, and it's, like, episode after episode, and, you know, like, it doesn't necessarily resolve, they just talk to you until you fall asleep, right? Exactly. Um, but you're, inve- you become invested in those stories, even though they're, you know, you know, they're wild, and, like, not necessarily, like, tied together in any way, so... Um, it's so true. Yeah, there are definitely some like some themes that uh, that govern the story, but of course, you know, in general, like on a on a micro level, it's really it's just a disaster. Yeah, and and speaking of disaster, halfway through the game, it turns so dark and everything, and it's it's own game in itself. Like, think about if this game came out today, that would be like a part two. That would be DLC. That would be an add on. Like, and again, to cram all this into a 16-bit cartridge still blows my friggin' mind. Like, it's so crazy what they were able to accomplish. And even with, speaking of characters, how characters were, like, some would die off, some wouldn't. Like, you get different branches. And what was it? I think you mentioned 14 characters altogether playable? Yeah, 14 14 playable characters altogether. Um, And then there's, at one point, you control two or three others. Oh, that's Um, right. Like, those little companions type thingies yeah they're not they're not like main characters but you like general leo you have control of him for like a hot second and tara's father i think you control for for that's right flashback yeah um but in general like generally speaking it's just uh it's just 14 um 14 playable characters now a lot of who who, people haven't played this game don't know but this is another thing that was that blew my mind was that you could change the names of the characters to whatever you wanted when they first came to yeah. your party, right? Were you one of those guys that changed it when you first played it, or did you go with the original? I did for um, for Terra the first time I played through. It didn't occur okay. to me like to to not change. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to change her name. Why not? You know, I told me I called her. I named her Blaze. Um, <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Uh, uh, I spelled it the French way, like Blaze Pascal, but um, I named her Blaze, and then. Oh. After that, I was like, "Oh, there are going to be tons of these, so I'm I'm not going to I'm, oh. I'm not going to rename anyone after this." Gotcha. So the rest of them, I just sort of like um, accepted as is. But yeah, that uh, the first time I got a chance, I was like, "Yeah, why not?" You know, name this name this woman what I want. Like, who cares? Um, yeah, yeah. Because I was the same way. Because I I think I've played it through completion twice. I've tried a third time since. It's just very long and whatever but i've already clear but the first time again being a wrestling fan i named them all uh, former wrestlers or wrestlers at the time so i guess this was 97 whoever was hot during that time i would name them down so like i think uh who, who was it again you see my memory sucks the the muscle guy the brother what's his name oh um uh, maybe i should bring this up yeah i don't i don't know i really um i don't i don't follow wrestling so i'm no i'm saying in final fan uh sabin right oh, oh, oh. Sabin. Sabin, uh, there you go. Yeah. 
or Saban. I have, See, I and that's and that's and that's why I mentioned that I didn't play with, with anyone, and no one really brought this game up. So half the names, I'm just trying to guess. Like I would assume, okay, you said Celis, right? So that's how you say it. Uh, there's Realm. That one's easy. Strago, yes. I guess. Celeste, Celeste uh, Realm, Strago. Um, Set Setzer. Setzer. Okay. Uh, let me see if I can name them all. Setzer, okay, go for it. Uh, I got them up here now, so go for it. Um, uh, Tara Locke, Edgar Sabin. Wait, no. Do we already name Sabin? Yeah. Uh, okay, so not Sabin. Uh, Tara Locke, Edgar. Um, I think you're missing two. Oh no, you're missing still a bit. Oh shit. Uh, yeah, I'm missing a lot. Um, <laughs> Gal, yep. uh, Cyan, um, uh, I'm getting close. I'm getting close. Four uh, more, I think. Yeah, four more. Uh, uh, fuck, Mog. Yep. Um, uh, Gogo. Yep. Uh, You're almost there. Uh, 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 Lamaro. And, yep. Uh, Come on. Uh, the two left are two of the main two main characters uh no one's one's not really a main i don't consider i'll say it a name oh uh all right i give up who am i missing you're missing shadow oh, fuck and did you say cyan yeah right did, yeah so i, I think did. you said all of them then so Sabin, edgar Locke, tara yeah you said them all Setzer, oh, yeah strago realm yeah you said them all crushing it crushing it it's so funny that I missed Shadow because he's one of the ones I wrote about in the book. Exactly. And I love that chapter when you were comparing like the their, I guess, again, comparing it to wrestling their terms, their entrance theme when they first appear, right? Yeah. It's like, I love how you explained all that. And then you went into, again, the detail of where you have that split second. Again, going back to this era, this wasn't particular back then. It was like new. When you had a split second decision to decide if a character was going to survive or die. And I think the first time I played shadow died and then I learned my lesson. And the second time he lived. Right. So it's like whoever thought a main character could die off in a video game back then. I know it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, that, that decision is really, um, you know, I think it's really interesting that, uh, that decision really sort of mirrors, uh, something that happened in shadow's life i don't know if you want me to get into this level of detail as we're talking but it's um, up to you because you mentioned it in the book so it's all up to you my friend yeah sort of a tangent so you get to decide sort of whether shadow lives or dies he stays behind um to fight off this person while you're trying to escape and um like you're sort of like ready to jump onto your airship and um you you have this choice to leave him behind or not Mm -hmm. and his backstory is very similar in that um, he was uh, he was part of this crime, this train robbing duo, and um, they were like running from the I don't know the cops or whatever whatever cops were in the game. Yeah, exactly. From the authorities. There you go. And uh, his partner uh, got injured, and so um, Shadow had this choice. Like his partner was saying, like, go on without me, uh, kill me, put me out of my misery and go on without me. And he had to decide whether or not his partner lived or died. Um, and so there's this really, um, beautiful symmetry there between this choice that, that shadow had to make in his past and the choice that you as the player have to make, uh, while you're playing the game, like Mm -hmm. you are the one who makes that choice. It's not the characters, it's you. Yes. So, so there's this really, I think that's the, a really wonderful, they play on each other really well. No, they do. And then another thing that I just came to my mind that I, that drew me into this game. I wasn't a huge RPG fan back in those days. I didn't like them. They were, again, not that they were too hard. I would get lost easily. Like, I, it's not that I need a waypoint, but I need something. Like, for example, like The Legend of Zelda on Super NES. Or, wow, Super Yeah, Super NES. That's yeah. my favorite Zelda of all time. There was no point markers. You figured it out as you went. But... It would give you hints of where to go and you would figure it out. Most other RPGs back in the day, it was really like up to chance. And if you didn't scour every single part of the map, you would never know what you're doing. Even as a kid, I didn't have time for that. But I never got lost in this game. I always knew where to go next. And even if I didn't know where I was going, I'd lead off and go somewhere else. Then I'd find magical characters somehow by getting swallowed up by beasts. It's like, what the hell is going on here? Like, just so many things, like, you know what I mean? To keep you entertained. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Um, you know, it is it is a lot of plot, but it really does a good job um, in the first half of the game. Uh, it really does a good job, like guiding you through it. Yes, so that you, 
you're sure to get that the the main sort of crux of the story and then the it's the second half of the game where it really becomes open world that's what i like exactly yeah you get to explore it but like it's there's nowhere you can go that's wrong exactly like, like, thank you you get like wherever you go you're, you're finding something meaningful yep. um and then you sort of like get to decide to like when you confront the final villain so it's really like it's up to you but you don't get you don't get lost because there's no way to get lost because exactly the point is to be lost right so yep uh, so yeah so now i gotta ask who's your favorite character i'm gonna put you on the spot Playable uh, character, not not because of their story, but the one that you love to use the most in the game. How about that? Uh, the one I love to use the most in the game is Sabin, um, yep. because he has the he has the bum rush, yep. uh, which is so powerful. I really love to use Sabin, mm-hmm. and uh, I really like to use Celeste. So those are sort of my two favorites. Um, in terms of their stories, I think uh, I think Cyan is my favorite. Oh. Um, Okay. Yeah, I think he's my favorite with his um with his personal track. They all they all have their own tragedies. Um, none of their stories are particularly happy, but and that's um, the other thing. Yeah, science. I I like science. Science hit um, close to home for me, so I, I really like his story. And for me, I'm gonna go with Edgar because I, all I remember is the weapons and how much damage they would do. And I love for some odd reason that drill that like I don't know that just sticks out in my mind all the time. And I always knew it gave a lot of hit points, so I'm like, I always had him on on my squad. And okay, you you have to jog my memory here. Who was the one that had the best healing powers? Was it Terra or was it Celis? Because it was it was one of the two girls. Yeah, Terra, I think is the. Or was it Strago that also had high healing? You know, they all kind of do. Um, and you get to teach them all spells yourself. So um, it's kind of it's kind of all up to you. They um, All of them have various sort of like talents that they use that can, that can have healing powers, um, depending on sort of like That's what comes That's true too. Up. I forgot but, about that. That's right. You could give them yeah. each certain, yes. Now, see, now it's coming back to me. But in the, in the beginning of the game, and sort of like as you're playing through, before you get to that point where it becomes a little more um, free play, right. uh, it's really it's Terra and Celeste. They're they're the only two who can who can use like magic. So then so, it, it had to be one of those two for sure. Then, yeah, it probably yeah. was Celeste because I would remember because Terra had where she transforms, and yeah. I would remember that if she was one of my favorites, right? So it had to be Celeste then. Yeah, yeah. Now. The other thing I didn't know, we talked about it briefly, was the soundtrack to this game being over three hours. That spans three, I guess, CDs at the time when it got released. It's available on streaming services now. You could go check it out. I had to go check it out and see if I... Re- Every single track I remembered. As soon as I started playing, I'm like, yep, 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 all the way down. Like, you know, what I mean? it's crazy how... And you mentioned in the book how nostalgia and music is so important and how they mesh together, right? Yeah. Um, for folks who are in sort of like the Gen X, um, um, millennial sort of generation, like late Gen Xers, um, yep. early to mid millennials who played this game when they were young, I think the music has sort of like this special sort of like salience for them because, because of when you hear it, right? Like you, you're hearing it in your formative years and, you know, obviously like kids who pick it up, um, today can have the same experience. Um, of course. Um, but it's it's. I think it's probably it's probably diff, a little different if if you start playing it for the first time as an adult. But yeah, all of the music. Um, there's there's not really a clunker on this on the soundtrack. No, exactly. Every, every track that you land on has something special about it. Um, and I don't really have any ones that I skip when I'm going through. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's so crazy. So, what's your favorite then? I said I, I love science stories so i also okay. really love his theme music um it's very uh romantic um and uh oh shit um uh, i like celeste's music as well the um and she's the she's the one whose music is tied to the to the opera scene so i really like i really like that character theme as well in terms of the other music, uh, bully, bully, there's just so much of it. Um, I'd have to look at the track list. Uh, you know, I can pull it up as we're talking. But um, Yeah, okay, well, I, as, as you pull it up quickly, I'll, I just have one. And like I said, I, I love them all the same like you do, but the one that stands out, and it's related to another game after, is Terra's theme song because it has that 
melodic, like slow, and it reminds me a lot of the water level from Donkey Kong Country. Like they're almost the oh, same. Like put them, like listen to one, then listen to the other, and tell me that they're one is not inspired by the other. Come on. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to check them out side by side. You have never to. Heard, yes. Never heard Trust me. That. Like there's just something about like that. That woo. Like I, I can't do it justice. I'm not even gonna try. But there's just something where it's. It, you could tell it's derived from something. I don't know if they. Well, well, what came out for it? Duncan Country came. Actually, they came out the same year, didn't they? Uh, ninety four. Yeah, I think they did. Right. I think they did. Yeah. So maybe just coincidence then. Yeah, it may it may well be. Let me now. Now I have to look that up. <laughs> there you go. I uh, give you some homework. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so my favorite. Yeah, they, Donkey Kong Country came out in ninety four. My favorite tracks, uh, aside from the those two character themes, I love the Magitech uh, Magitech Lab okay. um, song. Sure. Or, or background music. Yeah. Um, it sounds a little bit like uh, I say in the book, like Trent Reznor, um, and I love. Uh, there's this. Um, uh, it's called, I think it's called the magic house. Um, and mm. there's this like haunted house that you explore where the paintings come alive. Um, that that's, that's a lot of fun too. That one gets stuck in my head a lot. I don't know why, but it does. Oh, wow. The one that gets stuck in my head all the time, still to this day, even before I read your book was the, the victory fanfare, the iconic, who doesn't know that? Like, come on, man. That's like almost in every final fantasy game, right? It is actually it is some version of it is I think. Oh, there you um, go. See, at least in the first nine, I want to say I, I think there's some some version of it um, in there. Yeah. No, that's so cool. Yeah, again, the music, the everything, and okay. Now I got you here too. Is it pronounced Magi or Maggie? I would say magic, like Magitech. That's what I thought too, right? But yeah. again, I didn't have nothing, no one to compare it to. So in my head, that's how I would say Magi too. Okay. Yeah. Because it would make sense because yeah. magic. So, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'd give it a soft G. Like, like. well, I don't I don't say GIF. I say GIF. But, um, yeah, I say, what do I say, GIF? Yeah, I say, <laughs> I don't even know. I guess it depends on my mood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the opposite of that. I would give it a soft G. <laughs> And then, okay, one last quick thing about the characters, too. The one thing, I totally forgot about this, too, because if Sid dies, Celeste tries to commit suicide. How crazy is that in a video game back in the day? Yeah, my God, watching that is gut-wrenching. I didn't know how to keep Sid alive the first time I played through. It was very much like, oh, uh, okay. I let Shadow die. I had no idea that, like, feeding him bad fish would kill him. <laughs> and that, like, you could catch good fish and just feed him the good fish, and, and that would keep him alive. But, right. He definitely died the first time I played through. And, um, yeah, Celeste throws herself off a cliff. Uh, and you're watching that happen. And it's like playing, right? like playing her theme song. And it's just like such an emotional moment. And like for a kid to watch a character try to commit suicide. Holy fuck. That's nuts. It's very, it's a very, very moving scene. Um, it is. Uh, it's crazy. So in a way it's almost better if Sid dies. Um, Right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but that's the thing about <clears throat> this game too, excuse me. It's that, you know what I mean? There's so many set pieces. Like for me, my two most memorable is obviously the opera, which we're going to get to because that's the whole reason of this fucking it, game. And the Phantom Train. I love the Phantom Train for some reason. Oh, How crazy yeah, is that? One. Yeah, that's another one that's really, really good. Right? Very, very smart choice on Umatsu's part. But, like, that scene in itself is great. But the music, uh, the music is so great. It's so, he, he, like, nailed it. It's so perfect for, uh, for the, for this, for the, um, for the scene. Um, it's just great. And anything on the airship, that blew my mind too. And you could walk around, like, the mini casino and all that. That was pretty cool too, right? So, yeah. all, all that That's stuff. That's her thing. Fuck! I love everything. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned a song. I, it's gonna it's gonna be my favorite. Like, sure. I, just, I love everything. It's so great. God, I'm so enthusiastic about this. That's why I wrote the book. Uh, it's great. Everything's great. <laughs> okay, so before we, we get to the word story of the week, let's talk about the opera because I'm sure we're gonna spend a, a bit of chunk of time here. Let's start off with how again it made you want to get into opera. Like you know what I mean? How someone again came up with literally a whole opera on his own with no experience, no help, no nothing. Like everything, yeah. the stories, how you mentioned it, three schemes going on at once. Like how everything was 
intertwined like oh my god like how does someone follow this up like this is why this is considered one of the best final fantasies ever it's the the opera scene is truly like uh i mean it's iconic for the music but it's also truly just like what's going on on screen is like so well crafted that you're following all of these different things at once it's umatsu had never had he'd never seen an opera before um he was going into this fully blind he's like he had no idea what he's doing he was just like I guess this is what it's going to sound like, you know, like right? he'd never, like never been to the opera. Um, and yeah, the music is one of the things that really, um, really helps guide you through it because um, depending on what you're hearing, you sort of, you know, like understand what, where you are and um, you've got the drama that's happening on the stage. You've got, you know, Ultros, the purple octopus trying to drop a, uh, <laughs> uh um, a weight, a, I guess. A, a, yeah, five ton like weight onto the stage, very car- like very Looney Tunes. Yep. Um, and then you've got sort of the way this um, this scene reflects the entirety of the game, and the way it reflects um, Celeste's relationship with with Locke, the only mm-hmm. real sort of like romantic relationship that plays out on screen. Um, yeah, that is true. Just, yeah, there's so much like intersecting in this one. That's what I love. That is, you know, like objectively unnecessary, right? Like they didn't need to take you to the opera. Of there's course. nothing about it. There's nothing about it that like there's nothing about the game that like particularly says you have to go to an opera. Right? Exactly. Like, just, <laughs> yeah, like they could you could have run into Setzer the um you know, like yeah, also the characters are scheming to get in there to like trick uh a wealthy gambler into giving him giving them their an airship it's like there's just all this wacky stuff happening yep. um but yeah like you could have run into the gambler on the street um there you know like anything literally anything else could have happened but exactly they chose, they chose this um device that really um really created some magic yeah no kidding so, i i loved it and again the music added to it, but it was the whole storytelling of everything and how it switches from all the characters. You're up in the rafters, you're down on the stage, you're behind the yeah. scenes practicing the notes. And again, back then, how how much anxiety did you get if you were going to hit the wrong note? Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, remembering the remembering the um, oh. the, the words in in the opera world, we call it the libretto. There you um, go. But remembering the words uh, to the to the aria was like. So oh. anxiety-inducing. Um, it was. It was so anxiety-inducing. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, fuck, I was going to say something else. I can't remember. Um, I'm sure it'll come to me. But yeah. Uh, yeah, because again, kids, you don't not understand. Back in the day, we didn't have camera phones. We didn't have ways of recording stuff. There was no like rewind feature. The save feature was only on the main map, I believe, when you were out yeah. not in an actual confined area, right? So you couldn't do any of that shit. And you'd have to repeat the whole process over again. Ugh, frustrating. Yeah, and oh, I remember what I was going to say. Sure. The, one of the things that's great about it, like all the all these different um, uh, stories intersecting at once, is very operatic. Like when I was, so I studied opera when I was in college. I also like my major in college was was French literature. Oh, okay. Um, so I studied all these 18th century French operas yeah, yeah. And, or French uh, plays, French dramas. Um, and a lot of them were turned into operas. And so like, there's a lot of like scene within a scene within a scene. Right. Exactly. The, and, and in the operas that, that come from them, um, like marriage of Figaro is a great example of that happening. Um, the, the, the play itself. Um, right. Right. And, um, but like also, well, that's 18th century, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> no one will not. No, 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 no. Uh, um, but yeah, that's another great thing is that like, this is very much its own little, little opera within an opera, within an opera, within an opera, you know, like, it's just like, it's telescoping. It is so, so crazily. Um, it's just, it's wild guys. You play the game. If, if you haven't played the game, play the game. I play it. Just play it. Play it. Yes, please. I, I, how many versions do I own? So funny. Oh my god. Yeah, there are tons of different versions of the game, and I, I have to speak up here. Um, sure. This is something I have to say. Do not play the one on iOS. Oh, thank you. I was about to get it because I have it on the classic SNES. But again, to hook that all up and just to play it for that, I have it on the Vita. But to go and actually find my Vita now and boot the, all that nonsense up, that's going to take forever. So I'm like, oh, it's because I thought it was on. The Switch, actually, which is not, which just blew my mind. It's not, it's not yet. People are mad. I'm, 
exactly. So now you're saying the iOS is no good because I was very tempted to get the iOS version. Yeah, the iOS version and the Steam version um, uh, are not. They're not great. I think. It's, okay. Okay. Um, they like they sort of like change the graphics. They change the really? sound sample they use for the music. Okay. Uh, and it just doesn't gel as well. They, uh... they, ported it, they ported it to the Game Boy Advance, and they changed some stuff there. Uh, and it, that one's fine, you know. Like um, that one's that one's fine. It's it is it doesn't the the music sort of doesn't line up in the opera scene the same way if, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay, okay. But, um, I mean, it does. It's the same music. It's just like something about it is like just like you know, like a, a hair off sure. for me. But um, yeah, I would recommend playing it on. Um, you know, obviously, not a lot, a lot of people have access to an actual super nintendo but there's the snes mini yeah um that nintendo released that you can play it on that one's true to form yeah i can't speak for the playstation version and and the the vita version the vita version um, is good actually it feels like you know what it's probably the port of the game boy advance one because it feels good but it doesn't feel like like the super nintendo if that makes sense i don't know yeah yeah that makes sense that makes sense but i think the one that, that they they put on the playstation is um, very, very close to the original, if not okay. like a carbon, if not like a carbon copy. I think. Again, I, I haven't played that one, um, but the ones for iOS guys, I really cannot, I cannot recommend. Um, you know, if it's the okay. only way you Let's play the know. game, then, then go for it. But, um, but definitely try to get it on another platform. Or, you know, if you if you happen to get an emulator, uh, black market. Yeah, uh, that's another way of doing it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not saying to do it because it's illegal. Don't do it, but. but you can have the same experience if you do, but don't. Bad. No. So bad. I guess you're not excited for the iOS remake just announced at E3, are you? Yeah, I'm not excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm, cur- I'm curious to see. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm curious to see what they do. Um, I'm curious. I'm very curious to know how they how they handle it. Um, it could be good. It could be bad. Um, you never know. I think the closer they stick to the original, I think the better. But um, yeah, there's there we have a, a chance for a real train wreck coming up, guys. Um, so <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> oh, speaking of buckling up, are you ready for the worst story of the week? Yeah, bring it up. Ready. Let's All right. This. So I don't want to put you on the spot just in case they listen and you are friendly with them. But if you aren't, then you could answer. Do you are you friendly with your neighbors? Do you like your neighbors, or have you ever not liked neighbors in the past? We'll, we'll go with that. We'll just talk about past neighbors. Have you ever disliked your past neighbors or anything? Um, I have not. There were some people across the hall from us in this building who used okay. to throw a lot of parties and smoke a lot of weed. Oh, um, and my husband and I, we don't smoke. Like, there's nothing wrong with, it, but we just don't smoke. But and we okay. we hate we hate the smell of it. So, oh um, no, I love the so smell. Like, yeah, a lot of people do. <laughs> Well, you know what? It's like me because it, which is funny because I used to actually smoke cigarettes too, and I quit. And I, I don't know, I'm almost 15 years now, I haven't touched a cigarette. But now, when I smell a cigarette in public, I fucking I don't tell the person because I know how it is to be a smoker, and I don't want to be one of those guys that's oh, I'm a reformed smoker. But you know what I mean? Yeah. I hate the smell too, so I get it. If if you're if you're not into it, because even my wife, she doesn't smoke either. And when I smell, she's like, get out of here. Like, so I understand. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. There's something. Yeah. So we didn't get along with them, but I got to say, uh, my my landlord is awful. Um, oh, no. And, uh, at, at one point, a couple of years ago, I actually um, organized a tenants union. Oh, um, shit. We, yeah, we got we got our super fired. And wow. We, Good for you. We, like brought the brought the city in and the, the state in to do like inspections in the building. And, oh, wow. Um, OK. Really like we really took these guys to task. So now Good. they're a little my my neighbors really like me who like were in the tenants okay but um, but my my landlord's afraid of me so i like i like a lot of my neighbors in in my building now but um yeah except for those guys okay well that was a really long ramble that was probably not as long an answer as you were no don't worry about it I'll, i'll keep my answer nice and short and sweet I don't really like my neighbors. There's one or two I like, but other than that, I don't give two shits. Even if they listen, too bad. I don't like you. And they know it because we've gotten into our own scuffles. But I would never go as far as this next person. I don't know if you would do anything. Well, again, you had reason to do something because obviously it was probably like some kind of slumlord or whatever. But if there was not, if it was something else, 
I would assume you'd want to piss them off and do something. Okay, so, okay, this is just crazy. I don't even know where this week's story comes from. I think it comes from, oh yeah, here we go. It comes from Iowa. So this week's story comes from Iowa, where a 53-year-old man was pissed off at his neighbor for not mowing his lawn one Saturday. Can you believe this? So he's mad at his neighbor for not coming over and mowing his own lawn. His own the, the neighbor was knowing that mowing the person's lawn. Yes, the name. Na- yeah, genuinely, genuinely, what the fuck? That's nuts. Okay, right. So already this guy's. Well, again, I I didn't go into the specifics. I don't know if this, they had an agreement or if he was yeah. paying him, whatever. But if he was doing it out of the goodness of his own heart, then I don't know. Me personally, I'm not a fan of mowing my lawn because I got a corner lot and I fucking hate it. There's just too much grass for what we have. It's not even worth it. It's so stupid because. Yeah. It's considered the city's property because it's attached to the sidewalk. And I don't know. I don't know how it works down there in the States, but up here in Canada, if it's a certain amount away from the house, it becomes a city's, but you still need to maintain it, which is stupid, right? That's wild. That's wild. Exactly. I, exactly. I think the city in New York City, I think they own all of the sidewalks, but like when it snows, you are responsible yeah. for shoveling. Same snow. thing here. Like if I think it's if you don't shovel it within 24 hours and someone slips and falls, you can get in some serious shit. Yeah, you're liable. Yeah, I tried to get my landlord in trouble for that as well. Anyway. Oh, there you go. Okay, so, I, yeah, like I said, I guess they had some kind of agreement or, uh, or something. So, the following day, he knocked on his neighbor's door to remind him again. His neighbor still didn't mow the lawn. It was like Tuesday or Wednesday now. So now, this, this guy, this 53-year-old man, got pissed off. So he, he proceeded to start messing with said neighbor. First, this is so childish, 53 Taking off the registration stickers of his car. <laughs> right? Who does this? I didn't get a 53. They still didn't mow the lawn. Because I, I don't know about you, but oh yeah, if you come take off my registration stickers, that's going to make me want to do it even more, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's fully illegal, by the way. Oh, uh, see, I wasn't aware of that. I would yeah, assume so, fair. right? Yeah, that's a crime. That's a crime. <laughs> so again, like I mentioned, still no mon low. So... If you had to guess what this man did next, this was his final act against the neighbor that didn't mow the lawn, what would you think how far this man took it? Now you see how childish he is with that. Now what do you think he did next? Uh, please tell me he didn't kill the guy's pet. Oh, man. Well, it could have happened. It could have happened with what he did. He, yeah, he decided to douse the side of his house with gasoline and set his house on fire. <gasps> he committed arson? Yes! Right? That is insane. While the neighbor was still inside, too. It's not like the guy, the neighbor was gone. He's like, you know what? You're not mowing my line. Fuck you. I'm burning your house down. That'll teach oh you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He could have killed the guy. What's wrong with people? Ass fisting Christ. That's nuts. That is nuts. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. So now imagine having a neighbor like this, too, right? Ugh, I could not. Ugh. I could not. That's why I want to move out of the city. I've already told my wife this. I'm like, I, we need to get out because I don't want neighbors. No, like, I don't mind someone like down the street that's like two or three minutes away, but I don't need someone like sharing a backyard. I've even owned a house where we shared the driveway. That was a fucking headache. So we'd have a mutual driveway to go into our backyards and into our garages, right? Oh, that was a fucking ordeal because I felt bad because it was, it was an older lady and you know what I mean? It was just her and I'm like, okay, so I guess I'm doing all the shoveling and oh, fuck off. And then... Whatever. It's a whole other story. Yeah. I don't like neighbors, if you can't tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard to, in, you know, like, I'm kind of stuck in the city. Like, not stuck, but, like, choosing to stay in the city and, like, right. you just can't get away from it. It's you true. Can't get away from it. You There's can. no way to not have, not have neighbors in, in relatively close proximity in New York City. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. No kidding. Well, Sebastian, thank you for coming on today. Now's your time to shine. Plug your stuff where people can find you. Anything up and coming. Floor is all yours. Awesome. Okay, great. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, you can find me online um, on Twitter at Sensational. That's Sensational, but with a B, uh, as in boy, uh, as in Sebastian, which is my name. Um, so Sensational. Uh, that's also how you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is I don't know, <laughs> whatever. That's and fantastic. My Twitter is also like I mean, follow me. Everyone follow me, but I do a lot of shit posting. Um, so uh, you can find me there. Uh, you can um, buy the 
book, uh, Final Fantasy VI, from BossFightBooks.com. Um, the ebook is available now. The paperback is going to be, um, you can pre-order it. It's, it's coming out in mid-July. Um, there was like a backlog with the printer. They were going to do both at the same time, mm. but they, the, the printer couldn't finish in time. So um, you can find it there. It's on the Kindle store as well. Um, and uh, do I have anything else to plug? Um, uh, uh, I don't know. Spay and neuter your pets. <laughs> Bob Barker. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> wow, that's going to go over so many people's heads. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Oh, no, that's a good way. No, that's good enough for me. For, Bob Barker's been dead for a long time now, hasn't he? Is he dead? I thought he was still alive. Uh, I think he's dead. I'm, he's not hosting Prices Right anymore. No, I know he's not doing that. Okay, you know what? You Google that while I plug my shit quickly then. <laughs> So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finga Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them out, it most certainly helps me out. And please, most importantly, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. Did you find it? I did. The man is still alive. See? Told you. I... I like seriously remember mourning him i don't know like <laughs> maybe you warned him when he retired and you thought maybe, he died maybe i'm confusing with alex trebek but i thought i thought bob barker died a long time he's 97 Fuck. apparently he hosted the prices right from 1972 to 2007 so do the math there guys that's wild um right yeah uh i can't believe he's still alive holy shit um, I know, right? He, Probably one of like, my favorite game shows of all time, to tell you the truth, too. That's a, it's a really good one. I really, like, when you were a kid, you stayed home from school sick. Yes! Oh, God, <laughs> have some have some soup. Man, uh, God, I hope, I know it's I know it's still on. I hope kids yeah. still do that. Um, nah, man, are you crazy? Kids watching TV, they look at their phones all day, or they stream. They don't yeah. watch cable or oh. network TV. All right, if you're a kid and you're staying home from school sick, Put on CBS. Uh, that stands for Columbia Broadcasting System. Um, <laughs> it's a channel on television. If you don't know what that is, Google it. Um, no, but yeah, it's such a great show. It's such a great show. And on that note, he's Sebastian. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace. Peace.